Hey everybody, welcome back. Thanks for joining me for season two of Divine Healing by D and Happy New Year. For the first episode of the season, I have a really special guest. Um, this is like really an honor to interview this like amazing person. His name is Rabbi or Dr. Gabriel Kausens. He is a holistic physician, a homeopath, psychiatrist, family therapist, Ayurvedic practitioner, and a Chinese herbalist. He's also a world-leading diabetes researcher, ecological leader, spiritual master. He is the founder and director of the Tree of Life Foundation and the Tree of Life Center in the U.S. He is also a best-selling author on There is a Cure for Diabetes, Conscious Eating, Spiritual Nutrition, Six Foundations for Spiritual Life and Awakening of Kundalini, Rainbow Green Live Food Cuisine, Creating Peace by Being Peace, Torah as a Guide to Enlightenment, and Depression Free for Life. He is considered one of the leading live food vegan medical doctors holistic physicians and the world expert on spiritual nutrition and he's also been named the fasting guru and detoxification expert by the new york times he is also part of the yoga world he has so much knowledge of kabbalah and this is just a great interview we're going to talk about a lot so i hope you guys enjoy with a prayer of merging the heavens and the earth, which in general is good. Good. Davina, where do you live? I live in New York. A city or upstate? I live in Long Island, actually. Okay. In the suburbs, yeah. My, yeah, my right. daughter lives in Lower East Side, and I went to Columbia Medical School, so I'm more than a little familiar with New York. And actually, I lived yes. in Central Harlem for three years. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I heard you're in the West Coast uh, now. Yes. yes. How do you like it there? Well, I'm only here visiting family and uh, working on my next book. So oh, I, I, to tell you the truth, people are in a lot of fear, you know, about mm-hmm. COVID. You know, Absolutely. more more than Arizona for sure. Um, so it has caused a little bit more of a contraction, but mm-hmm. besides from that, everybody's doing relatively well. Relatively oh, that's well. Great. That's great. I I was hoping you could. Uh, First, introduce yourself for the listeners in your own words, please. Okay, so we're on the air now. Is that it? I'm sorry. Are are we you, we are you? on the. Yes, we, we are, are on, on the air. We are okay. on the air. Yes. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I'm happy to be on the show with Davina here. Um, my name is uh, Gabriel Cousins. I'm a uh, I like to describe myself as a wild, liberated mystic um, with many, uh, let's say, interfaith trainings, including uh, many years of uh, yoga and uh, been ordained as, uh, ordained is the wrong word, as a Shaktipat uh, um, spiritual uh, teacher, master, and acknowledged by my two uh, Indian gurus, Swami Muktananda, Swami Prakashananda. I'm also a four-year sun dancer and eagle dancer in the Native American tradition, uh, and also trained in the uh, Torah and Kabbalah way of life uh, as some of the bigger uh, kind of background. Uh, but my statement is in my new book, um, Into the Nothing, is that all I ever learned was from meditating, playing football, and sacred relationships. Hmm. And that's where the great teachers were. So a key part of my teaching is your life 
is the teacher. And the key is to take all the experiences that come to us and see them from a spiritual point of view so then in a way that elevates us spiritually. My general background is a holistic medical doctor trained at Columbia Medical School, a family therapist, a psychiatrist, um, a homeopath, a naturopath degree as well, and working on the mystical side of things, uh, of helping people overcome things like uh, entities and so forth. So there's a a broad background in uh, many of these things. Uh, I do a lot of humanitarian work. Uh, We have over 100 uh, programs in 26 different countries uh, that are based on um, diabetes prevention and organic veganic farming uh, and support of different small businesses. We're we're working in five countries in Africa as well as uh, throughout the whole North and South America and Central America. So uh, our work is very uh, humanitarian focused, more mm-hmm. around feeding the people and also helping people wake up spiritually. I love so that. Wake up. I love that's it. it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we do. And that means, for example, in Nigeria, mm-hmm. in a place called Owiri, which is quote, the starving people of Biafra. It's not called way. We we had uh, 13 of the different tribes under our king. I was working with the local king, and we brought them together, and we did a whole ceremony and did meditation and uh, Shakyapat, which is the awakening of the Kundalini energy, which people really uh, attuned to. And so, in fact, in every country I've been in Africa, we've been sharing that as well as everywhere around the world. So I've been in, I've taught in 42 different countries where we've shared the spiritual energy of awakening as well as talking about how to live in a way to become a superconductor, eat and live in a way to become a superconductor of the divine. So that's kind of a, an overview uh, of what mm-hmm. I'm doing in my book, which is my 13th book, Into the Nothing, is a spiritual autobiography describing this journey, this evolutionary mm-hmm. journey that, that we're all on, but explaining my journey and to help people understand that everyone's on a journey, but we need to pay attention that we are on a journey. Right. Well said. So that, you have a very... very Go ahead. It was really impressive, very impressive. Your resume is obviously very long. But um, what would you say is like your most favorite role or your most favorite job or position? Like what do you connect to the most, do you think? Right now at this time of my life, it's as a spiritual teacher helping Mm -hmm. people on a worldwide level to wake up, leading what I call a, I call it the holistic way of liberation. So I am... It's not just meditating. You eat in a way to become a superconductor of the divine. You're doing yoga, asana. You're doing different things to, to expand your prana or your life force energy. You're doing service and charity. You're working with or have worked with a spiritual, uh, you know, acknowledged spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. Meditating. Uh, I meditate twice a day. I mean, in India, I was meditating six hours a day. Wow. Chanting four and a half hours a day, pretty, you know, but more intense. And then as much what I call Shaktipat, which is the awakening energy that helps awaken the Kundalini, or what we call in the Torah tradition, Ruach HaKadesh, yeah. uh, which is the spiritual energy that's needed to be awakened for the evolution of humanity. And so my work is to help that awakening happen for the evolution of humanity and then supply that kind of consciousness so you have a framework and also the way of life, which I call the six foundations, as a way of sustaining and expanding and going beyond your mind, which is key. Which is key. So when that, you that's said diet. A, a yeah. When you said diet, do you mean eating <laughs> higher vibrational foods like plants and less animal products? What did you mean by that? So in my very first book, 
well, I'll go back a little bit because everything is kind of mystically tied in. So in 1975, when my the Kundalini was awakened with Swami Muktananda, I went into the nothing and I came back down and a little voice rang out and I mm-hmm. was not expecting this. It said you should learn to eat and live in a way that supports the Kundalini. So I didn't exactly know what Kundalini was and I hadn't thought about diet. Okay, that's my starter point. <laughs> I began doing research on it and it it got very clear uh, which is my book, first book, Spiritual Nutrition, The Rainbow Diet, mm-hmm. is that a live food diet is the best diet. That's a vegan live food diet is the best mm-hmm. diet for helping us become a superconductor of the divine. Now, people are, you know, you can do other things, but we're, what I'm saying is that's the one that best supports everyone. God. Okay. Uh, in the big picture. And what I teach now, uh, although I'm 99% live food, um, mm-hmm. is at least 100% plant-based and 80% uh, live or raw. There's slightly different, but the same principle. Now, those foods have the most life force energy. Mm-hmm. We've been able to measure it with Korean photography, um, literally, um, there, there is a, a research out of Germany measuring biophotons, okay? Mm-hmm. And biophotons is the energy given off from your your system, okay? And uh, a junk food person is giving off a thousand. A, a person eats cooked uh, raw uh, organic food is 23,000. A newborn wow. baby gives 32,000. Uh, and a person on live food is doing 83,000, and if they're on live food plus certain what we call tonic Chinese herbs, it's up to 116,000. So let's just do 83 to 1. That's a pretty big difference in terms of life force. And that life force is like kind of key. You get Everything gets more sensitive, and you feel more, and uh, but you're more, you become a superconductor of the divine. Now, what I also note from direct experience watching people, helping people uh, mm-hmm. with the Kundalini, because I've been trained uh, and I we started the first Kundalini crisis clinic in 1976. Okay, oh, wow. what I saw is people were self-medicating with eating meat. Why? Because it acts as a sledge to the Kundalini and they're trying to slow it down. Oh, so what? what I saw is that uh, meat, fish, chicken, dairy, all contain the energy of death mm-hmm. and fear and suffering. So you're going to yep. take that into your system, not just in the physical body, but on all the subtle planes, and that disrupts the flow of energy, including the, what we call the koshas or the five layers of the mind. So on mm-hmm. every level of our being, it's blocking the flow of the spiritual energy. Obviously, that can't be too good for you, you know, in terms of spiritual nope. life. Uh, there are health reasons as well, but we're talking spiritual life. So right. um, that's the key. So they all act as a sludge. There's what we call 72,000 nadis, and there's three main ones. Nadis are the channels through which spiritual energy flows in our system, mm-hmm. and through which the kundalini flows. And the three main nadis, Ida, Pangala, and Shishimna, the Shishimna is where the central channel is, and it's clear it clogs, meat, fish, chicken, and dairy, it clogs the flow of energy. Now, it isn't just a fear and death, but we're also looking at that you're, the, you're taking in the animal soul, which you don't really have with plants. I mean, they have a, a right. life force and soul, but, but the animal soul is, has an astral plane, which plants don't have. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming your audience can understands a little bit what I'm talking about here. So you're taking the astral plane of the animal in, and that actually jams your astral plane. And it brings in animal ego, Mm -hmm. and therefore it takes you away from the upward spiritual trajectory. Now, is this my idea? Well, a few hundred years ago, yogis were already talking about it. You don't want to take in the animal ego and soul. So it isn't an original idea, but it's a very important one that most people don't think about. So the animal energy is at lower frequency. 
Yeah, animals have souls, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, and, but but it's not the same frequency mm-hmm. uh, 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 of the human soul and uh, kind of slows, interferes with the evolutionary spiritual energies. So that's how I uh, I arrived at it in a practical way because I saw mm-hmm. people who were doing 99%, you know, a, a high life who died. That the Kundalini was more active. And when they went to another diet or they ate meat, then it slowed down. And so right. I, I have had thousands of people I'm witnessing as a holistic physician uh, exploring their own sensitivity of foods. And at the end of that 75 into 83, into that seven, really eight years, well, when I really wrote the book, 86, then it was like, this is thousands of people all basically telling me the same thing. Meat, fish, chicken, and dairy, slow the Mm -hmm. flow of the kundalini. And and in a sense, block it and lower your frequency. So that's how we, we, that's how uh, I kind of evolved the diet. Okay. Now, one other thing. I also mm-hmm. saw there's no one diet for everybody. Yes. People are unique individuals. Uh, genetically, some of us need more protein. Some of us mm-hmm. need less protein. And so I've worked out a way, which people can find on my website, is how to individualize your diet mm-hmm. according to whether your person needs more or less protein, which is the big factor. So that's uh, another thing. You have to individualize your diet. We are unique we need to see ourselves as unique. There is no one diet for everyone. Absolutely. That's actually what I learned in Hebrew school. I learned kosherut, and we were told that eating kosher meat helps us from, uh, because the animals slaughtered a special way, they didn't feel the pain, we wouldn't feel the pain of their soul like dying. So that's another reason why I keep, if I eat meat, which is very rare and limited these days, it is always kosher meat. Yeah, so just to play with that, since you brought that up, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in, I, many rabbis now today feel there is no such thing as kosher because it isn't just how mm-hmm. they're slaughtered. It's how the animals are treated throughout their life. That's and it. generally, these animal factories that are quote kosher are really animal factories and the animals are not treated well for the whole life, even though technically they've been slaughtered mm-hmm. correctly. So right. uh, so because of that mistreatment, they're still getting the pain and cruelty, and it's over a longer period of time. So there's a variety of, of oh, wow. you know, uh, rabbis who say, no, we have no kosher meat anymore. Uh, the other thing to consider is that uh, the animal animals, wherever they are, organic or not, are higher mm-hmm. up in the food chain, and they concentrate pesticides and herbicides that in their fat in dishes they have about 95 to 97% of the pesticides and herbicides and radioactive nucleotides from fallout they're concentrated you know in the flesh and uh, plants are although they have some are mm-hmm. far lower on the you know on the food chain in terms of high levels of pesticides herbicides and so forth so there's a there's a few there are multiple levels. I mean, obviously we look at because uh, the word kosher doesn't really speak uh, as it is today in harmony with things, mm-hmm. and we see the way animals different than 200 years or a thousand years ago. Uh, the animals were raised in a harmonious way, as much yeah. as you can do that, but they didn't have. And 95% of the kosher comes from factory farm. And I think that's important okay. to understand. Yeah. And so that's a totally unnatural way of being, and it disrupts the environment, the water, uh, land, okay, and air pollution. So there are many, many things that are going on that there really isn't kosher as we as it was originally defined. And that has to do with some holiness in the in the food. Even if it includes like salting the animal the right way, the correct way, because I know that's another component that the salt it's salted. Does that factor in? Is that well, the... yeah, because they're factor farming and it's such a large volume. I'm going to just add another point, which kind of, okay. is that 
before they were slaughtered, let's say 200 years ago, okay, mm-hmm. there would be a prayer, there would be a communication with the animal right. like they did at the temple time. So there was a spiritual communication and, in a sense, uh, acknowledgement with the animal. That's not happening right. today. And okay. so even that level is is not happening because it becomes mass-produced. And, and uh, one of the reasons kosher was made so kashrut was made so difficult, okay, mm-hmm. is is they wanted to make it difficult. <laughs> right. So you'd be less uh, interested in doing the whole process. Uh, Moses Maimonides, the great rabbi, and I'm also a rabbi, and physician in the 12th century said that the Torah tradition, uh, even though he says it's okay to eat meat, but the whole idea is to eat less and less meat to go back to the original God-eaten diet, which right. is a diet given us for the best amount of uh, enlightenment. So, uh, so even at that time, they recognized, wait, no, no, you're not meant to do this. This is just a, a, a consideration because you're not ready to do this. But keep cutting oh, it down. Keep cutting it down. So the first uh, chief rabbi of Israel, Rav Cook of pre-Israel, he died in 1935, was a vegan. Mm. Okay. So it's very much part of the of the Jewish tradition uh, because it upholds many levels of, uh, you know, non-cruelty to animals. And, you know, uh, when you're going on a vegan diet, you have enough food to feed the world seven times over. We're not having a food shortage. The food to feed 100 cattle can feed uh, 2,000 people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got the food shortage. You have the desecration of the environment. This is very clear without going into the statistics that animal uh, production really is a huge drain on the ecology, so it's ecological benefit, uh, the the spiritual benefit. So there's all these uh, considerations. And one of the biggest is take care of your soul and take care of your body because without a healthy body, it disrupts the soul. So there's teachings in there that... uh, we're really supposed to eat in a way that protects our soul. But by doing that, we could, uh, and we do that by protecting our body through our diet. I see. Very interesting stuff that will get a lot of people talking when they hear this, which I'm excited yeah. about. Can you give me some more tips on how to uh, strengthen that life force energy that um, people can do that's pretty simple? Yeah, well, I I really see it a holistic approach. My whole approach is kind of holistic. So one of the most important things is meditate. Meditate. Meditate in prayer because you're communicating with the divine and you're opening up the flow, okay, of the what we call shefa, the downflow of the shefa, uh, the spiritual energy when you're meditating. And the tradition is, I'm going to use a Hebrew word or two here, or hozer is the upward flowing energy, mm-hmm. and that starts with us. So we meditate, we create an upward flowing energy, and then it activates, so to speak, the heavens, which is higher planes, the astral plane, and up, that then sends down, or, or is light, yashar. So we activate it, and then greater light comes down. So that is very activating on subtle planes. That's a very important thing. So we, we just talked about food mm-hmm. uh, and the second and fasting. fasting. I find okay. people greatly, uh, we're right now because of the lockdown or, you know, COVID, we're doing fasting retreats over the Internet. Oh, and okay. if people want to, yeah, they can go to uh, treeoflife.org mn.co or just go to drcousins.com and we mm-hmm. have a full fasting schedule that we you know I do group fast over the internet which is never did that before but we have to adjust just like I said earlier we just make an adjustment we keep going 
which is how we opened the program. Okay, so um, so fasting uh, one week twice a year is extremely helpful for clearing all the toxins uh, that mm-hmm. build up from the environment, but also the bowel toxins. Now the right. second part is exercise. Now yeah. I talked about yoga. I ta- I like I do yoga, but I also love to do sacred dance. I dance a lot. Rabbi Nachman, you know, Dance for Joy, uh, the great, I think it was liberated, uh, rabbi in, in Russia, uh, 1800, around that time. So I do, dancing is great, okay? And mm-hmm. stretching is really good. That's the yoga, or there's Ophanim, which is the yoga of Hebrew letters, which I actually teach. And then... Uh, Tai Chi, Qi Gong, you're building the prana or the energy. And then along with that, it's breathing. So in yoga, we call it pranayama, but it's breathing. And there are a variety of breathing entrances, and they really enhance the energy. And wow. also, with age, if you aren't doing breathing exercises, you lose about 70%, uh, 50% of your lung capacity by the time you're 50. I'm oh sorry, God. I said it reversed. By the time you're 70, you lose 50% of your lung capacity. So it's oh, very okay. important to breathe. <laughs> so, wow. so we've got the exercise component, building the life force component with uh, more physical things. Again, Tai Chi, Chi Gung, there's a variety of things. Third thing, service and charity. Now, service and charity uh, in the in many of the traditions is a way of uh, clearing your karma. Okay? Yes. Yes. And it's acknowledged in the, the Torah tradition, but also in the yoga tradition. So that's another thing is that it opens up. And also, in service and charity, you can make that heart connection and you broaden. In our world today, people are separating. We want to make that connection because we are all one. Uh, but right. it's harder to get when everybody's cowering in fear, which is Without being political, that's kind of where this lockdown puts people. There, we get afraid of each other. Yeah. Okay. Very the true. fourth is working with a spiritual teacher. And now, where what role does a spiritual teacher? In many traditions, including the Torah tradition, uh, the spiritual teacher gives the student energy to awaken the. It. So it says in. Deuteronomy, Devarim 34.9, it says, and Moses, you know, uh, touched Yehoshua and the spirit was in him. There is a transmission of energy. Moses also activated the elders, you know, uh, uh, at Sinai. So, the, and then in the yogic tradition, we call it Shaktipat, you know, and the same thing as the transmission. So that's another way people get energy. Uh, huh. And that's a very, very critical way because that initiation usually, usually, uh, is, is safest at the waking of energy with a, uh, I don't want to use the word certified, but a, a teacher in, in a particular lineage who, who does that. You, okay, and, and that's mm-hmm. clearly in the in the Torah tradition, but also the yoga tradition, really all, all the traditions. Usually people come from a lineage, so it kind of holds the energy. So that's another way people get energized. And then uh, meditation. Meditation is so powerful that the research shows that if people have been meditating regularly for five years, their physiology is 15 years younger. Amazing. Yeah, that's quite a statement. And then recent research from Harvard shows that meditators actually uh, build up certain critical parts of the brain, like the hippocampus memory area, and also, and they decrease the, let's say, the reactive parts of the brain. So there's actually a literal changing of your brain shape with meditation. So we're, we're, it, it has a physical effect, and that's well established at this point, you know, with right. all kinds of brain scans and so forth and so on. So meditation and prayer make a huge difference. Repeating the name of God. Absolutely. 
I absolutely yeah. agree with okay. prayer and meditation. I think it's two of the most fundamental things to do. If you ha- didn't have yeah. to mention anything else, these two are just must must do's to me. Right. But uh, okay. I agree. Absolutely. And I will say that um, I'm going to add two more things to this as we talk about Ooh. it. Uh, but and then receiving the awakening, which we call Haniha in the Jewish tradition, or Shaktipat in the yogic tradition. They're just two common names people know on. Um, the awakening energy is a, a powerful way because it opens you up to really receiving the, the a next level of energy from the cosmos. Right. So that's a really important thing. Now, I also add sacred relationships. Mm-hmm. Because uh, not so much in the East, but certainly in the West, certainly in the Torah tradition, uh, you, th- that relationship is seen as a spiritual path to awakening. And in relationship, not only do people literally literally live longer, that's pretty important to understand, but um, the interaction of the of the people, including family if seen in the right way, is meant there to, as a spiritual path to elevate your consciousness. So I, I consider uh, a relationship uh, key. You know, when we look at it uh, in the creation story, he made them, he didn't say one, but a, he had him and a she had him. It's the merging of the sacred male and sacred female into the oneness. We have it within ourselves. The play is also without ourselves. So when we kind of see that bigger picture, a relationship is a clearly a spiritual path, not just for having kids, and it's for the elevation not only of ourselves but of all of humanity. And I call that sacred relationship. Relationship. Also, I'm going to yeah, and I'm also going to say sacred friendship because you can have it without being you know, married to someone without being sexually involved. And so sacred friendship is part of uh, where where a lot of energy, positive energy is generated in a good way. So those are, I think, some uh, really important and key ways to energize on multiple levels. Love it. Thank you. That was really just great. Regarding becoming a rabbi, what what like what happened that you just said I would love love to become a rabbi, like I feel called to this. How did you, how did the process just happen? It didn't just happen. So <laughs> when I was uh when I was four I knew I was to be a doctor. When I was eight mm-hmm. I began having certain visions and that whole rabbi energy came in. Uh, as a young teenager, uh, the local rabbi, conservative rabbi, it is, mm-hmm. you know, knew I wanted to become a rabbi. It really was pushing hard, but I knew it wasn't the right time. Interesting. I, I was. It was enough to just study to be a doctor and do that path. <laughs> Obviously, we have Moses um, Moses Maimonides, who's both a doctor and physician, and uh, uh, Nachmanides, his successor, also a doctor and physician. So there was kind of a little bit of a tradition that <clears throat> I, I'm kind of I follow. And so after a 40-day fast in 1983, mm-hmm. a little voice rang out, and I, I talk all about it in my book, you know, into the nothing, because you get all these things, because. We have to look at our life. That's part of the book's message. Yes. Look at your life. So, so message ring, uh, from God said, "Now, time to go to your roots." This is in a forty-day fast. At that point, in eighty-three, I turned towards my Jewish roots, and that's how I wrote the book uh, "Torah as a Guide to Enlightenment," because mm-hmm. I reinterpreted the Torah from a uh, Catholic speaking, what we call upper soul level, the highest spiritual level. Lower sodas, uh, more Kabbalistic level, mm-hmm. and uh, the the low the the kind of uh, is that is is uh, uh, just 
do the prayers and do the thing. You know, they're different levels. So right. uh, that was missing. The upper soul is missing. So I'm working on that level for people because there are many, many people. Uh, um, we're moving to Israel, actually, in about three weeks. So uh, we've been living there since 2008. Um, but I was... Uh, Shlomo Karlbach's rabbi, if you ever heard of Shlomo Karlbach, you may have, uh, the singing rabbi. Anyway, it was his community. But the point I'm making here is is that we, I I got the message, and you have to have the right timing. Right. So the message was that, and then 12 years later, you know, after studying for so many years and doing things, then uh, that's when I was uh, uh, in 2008. Uh, kind of added the rabbi part. I wasn't ready before then. It wasn't the right timing. Mm-hmm. So I was going with the, you know, more the cosmic flow as to how to approach this. I kind of knew that as a teenager. This is not the right time. This is the right time, you know. That's amazing that you knew that early. Though. Yeah, yeah, I understand. One of the things I, in, in Into the Nothing, I talk about aligning with your destiny. We, we we are not the doers. The mm-hmm. Baal Shem Tov used to teach that too. We're not the doers. Our job is to get our ego out of the way and align with our destiny. Yeah. It's already happening. In the Jewish tradition, I believe, you know, we, we the, the destiny is a key key piece. Uh, and it, it's not fixed because they're different. If you, from my point of view, if you see it as a spiral, you can then be at different points on that spiral, you know, in time and space. But you want to, for me, it's always to go to the highest octave on the spiral, if that makes I sense. See. So, yeah, it does. Makes, it's just, so that's makes my you timing. think. Go ahead. It makes you think. Just, I'm like very deep yeah. in thought now. <laughs> okay, good. Because... Wow. It's a question I pose in the book. I kind of, oh, okay. I, which is aligned with the divine will. What we Kabbalah we call Keter, aligned with the divine will. You have our will, but mm-hmm. it only really works when you align our will. We've heard so let your will be my will. That kind of yeah. that's really what I'm talking about. So it's like okay, I need to align. I need to understand what my the divine will is for me. We meditate, we contemplate, we get all kinds of feedback. But the key, the book, uh, in, into the nothing is aligning with the divine will. And then it all unfolds in timing and purpose and function. So that's kind of the the bigger way I look at it. And when we go against and we don't align, then we, uh, you know, we we kind of we have struggle. A, we we create a lot of difficulty in our life, and Absolutely. so it's a key key thing. Now, one other thing that's part of that is really is uh, teaching from Rabbi Nachman actually, and it's it's like the key is faith, but faith in mm-hmm. what? Faith faith in the truth. What is the truth? There's only God, and it's that simple. And so when yep. we act with faith, which is what I'm really talking about, it's like I have faith that this divine voice is speaking to me, and I better well follow it. You know, it's like it can speak, yeah. but if I don't follow it, what good does it do? Absolutely. So in my book, I talk about, okay, I follow it. Well, in 1975, learn to eat in a way to support the spiritual energy, the Ruach Kadesh or Kundalini. Okay, good. Then go to your roots. Okay, fine. And then... When you're aligned with those, uh, with no hesitation, with those messages, then it brings you in alignment with the divine will. Now, the question is, are you in delusion by following these things? Could have said that, but there are ways to check the truth, okay? One, it has to feel good within you. One, it has to be aligned with the last, you know, 6,000 years of, I mean, we go back further than that, but the last 6,000 years of, of uh, of all the spiritual teachings, the great texts, the Torah teachings, uh, the teachings of the mystics. Uh, okay, it has to fit with your 
alignment with your spiritual teacher, spiritual group. Now you've tested it in three different ways. Do you see what I mean? If they all check positive, then you know most likely those messages are the correct alignment. If that makes sense, what I'm saying. So it's good to check it out. You can't just say, oh, I thought God said. No, it's more than that. (laughs) It has to be aligned with it you know, multiple levels. You know, Charles Manson got was aligned. He felt he was getting money, but it wasn't aligned with anything that was any good. It was the exactly. dark side. So, but our work is to align with the voice of God, the directive, and it has so it has to fit the, it has to fit the Torah teachings. It has to be aligned with. If you're doing something out of alignment, or yogic teachings, or Yamanayamas, or Buddhist Eightfold Path, it's the same principle. You have to be aligned. It has to feel right internally and has to fit with your social contact, spiritual teachers or spiritual group. So that's how I advise people to say, well, are you really in alignment? Okay, let's check that out. That's kind of how I approach it for myself as well. And I explain that in the book because it's an extremely important thing. How do you get aligned? You know, we're not here by accident. All of us have a divine purpose. Right. So what's our divine purpose? Well, you have to be quiet and follow. And that's kind of <laughs> how I've approached it, you know. And and every single thing that happens in our life, if we see it right, is a divine teaching. Absolutely. As hard and, as it is. Yeah. Uh, and the Bashantov, uh had a the great mystic and lived from... 1658 to 1760, he said it very nicely, is that that, um, the the key is knowing everything you do matters. And he used the word Yehudim, which is to see the spark of God in all, all of creation and including your life. To see the spark of God within yourself uh, we call Azamra, but also in all of creation to see that spark of the divine and, and look at creation from that angle, the Yehudim, which means we're merging with that, with whatever is in front of us because everything has a spiritual energy. Absolutely. So, so well it's said. A, it's, a, it's a whole way of looking at the world, and that's what I talk about, and again, in the book, into nothing is okay, What's your purpose? Pay attention. Everybody has a purpose. We are unique, holy beings. We didn't get here by accident. We need to pay attention and find that alignment and then see everything in our life as a spiritual teacher to help us. And always focus on God. You know, it's like faith in the truth. Truth is there's only God. If those simple things are followed, that's going to lead us to the truth. Uh, of who we are, which is the spark of the divine. That was great. So where can everybody find your book to purchase? Yeah, uh, so they can go to uh, intonothingbook.com or they can go to drcousins.com. That's an easy one. Or they can also go to Mary and nancy.mn, mightynetworks.co. Those are all places where they can find the book, uh, and they can get it at Amazon. They can get it. Actually, it's distributed all over the place. Uh, but great. to order yeah. it directly, they can go mm-hmm. to these websites I mentioned, and then they, it will be sent directly to you. So, Perfect. Do you have any um, events coming up that you'd also like to plug? Any classes um, or events online? Yes, I, I understand. Um, and I appreciate the question. So each sure. month, each month, and the next one is October 20th, uh, I do a meditation weekend. Uh, and we meditate three times a day. I also give, over, which is amazing, but you can give the Haniha or Shaktipat over the internet to the eyes. Um, mm-hmm. So... I, I'm doing that three times a day. It's a, we start with Shabbat on Friday night mm-hmm. and a meditation. 
which is what we always do in Shabbat. I always have a Shaktapat meditation or a Haniha meditation. And then Saturday and Sunday. So that is October 20th. I just November 20th? Sorry, November 20th? I'm sorry, October, November 20th. November 20th. Great. Great. Uh, We finished October, so it's November 20th. So each month I'm doing that. Each month. Okay. Yeah. And then I, uh, several times a year, I'm doing a spiritual fast, the meditation spiritual fast, and also uh, a special, what we call uh, Yana Yoga or Yoga of the Mind course in three days. So that's a cycle of about 10, about 14 days that people can do. Uh, Right now, everything's over the Internet. Every yep. morning, most mornings, I'm going to say Friday to Saturday, uh, Friday to Sunday. This didn't say it right. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm uh, Saturday and Sunday. I'm not doing that, but I give a parsha, a discussion of Torah. On, on, I love that. Uh, yeah, and and from a spiritual point of view, and Monday through Friday, in the morning. Uh, because I'm flying all over, it's hard to explain, but trying to do it around 9 o'clock West Coast time, I mm-hmm. give a, a meditation, uh, a Shakti pot over the Internet, and then a little discussion. So that's wow. what I'm doing on a regular basis. So that's five days a week, uh, and the, the different uh, parshas, so, uh, or, or teachings. Like we, we just did... Um, the week ago was Leklaha, go to the self, or for me, go to Israel where we're moving. And and, and then the the next one is Vayalech, uh, uh, Abraham, and Isaac, and that uh, thing. We already did that. And so next week will be Hayasera. coming. So I'm, I usually do that sometime on Shabbat as part of my rabbinical kind of uh, uh, teachings. Again, from a, a higher, from an upper-sode point of view. So I'm doing that all the time, okay? Amazing. Uh, and then at uh, treeoflife.mn.co, I have uh, over 350 all my materials are there. People listen to the different talks. I can listen to the different parshas. They can join kind of an inner circle of things where people are getting more information. So I'm trying to make myself as available as possible as part of my I see this cycle are. of my life. Yeah, and this cycle of, of my life, you know, with the book coming out, is to inspire as many people to wake up. This is a critical time, in my point of view, Absolutely. for waking up. And Every healer can say that, I believe. Yeah. We all are feeling it. We're all mm-hmm. feeling it. And uh, this is way beyond politics or all that kind of thing. It's it's really about, this is it, folks. It's time to wake <laughs> up spiritually. It's time to remember who Absolutely. you are. We, we're, this is our time. It so uh, that's how I'm looking at it. So I'm putting as much personal energy into it as possible. And mm-hmm. I try to support as many people wherever I'm going as possible. Well, thank you for supporting me and coming on today, speaking to me. I feel really honored and just all the knowledge that I received from you. I'm really appreciative and happy that you joined me today. Well, good. I really appreciate working with you. You ask great questions. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Um, I am not quite going. I I used to go to New York pretty frequently with everything going on. It's a little harder, but I... I'm always going to visit my daughter um, in the Lower East Side, but I'm also happy to, when I'm at a place, and of course it's harder with the COVID thing of people gathering, is, you know, I gather, you know, I speak to groups, people, mm-hmm. organizers going to gather it. Right now that obviously is a little harder, so I'm kind Absolutely, of yeah. working on the internet, but that is the play, so... Good. I appreciate your good questions, and I appreciate you did have me on your show, and we're going to make it work. 
which is even more important. So thank you for your ingenuity in that. Of course. Thank and, you for acknowledging it. And may you be blessed that in your own life you continue to expand and bring you. your teachings to many, many, many people and that uplift so many, many you. people spiritually. Thank uh, you so much. To you as well. I appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay, you too. Blessings to you. Shalom, shalom. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Before I get into the interview with Dr. Cousins, I just wanted to uh, say how these are his views. He is a rabbi. He is free to say whatever he wants based on his teachings. If there is any controversy or anything taboo about what you believe you're going to hear soon, uh, I will just say that I enjoyed the episode. It's not that I really believe with everything that he said. I would say a good 99% of it, but um, there's parts of it that I'm going to look into on my own. And this is the whole concept of my podcast for me to also learn as a healer and as uh, a person. So I'm sorry if you're offended by anything that he says. These are his thoughts, his views, but just keep an open mind and I hope you enjoy it. Let's take a short break. I wanted to talk about, obviously, I'm all for small female-run businesses and I have to shout out to Lola's in New Jersey. That's at Lola's NJ on Instagram. It's run by Melanie Gibson. She is 23 years old and she owns her own business. She carries the cutest sets, the best sets for your work from home wardrobe, best accessories, all designer inspired, great jewelry at affordable prices. And she supports other female owned businesses. Obviously, I had to get behind that and I had to collaborate with her. So shop lolasnj.com or go on Instagram and tell her I sent you. Enjoy. Happy shopping. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple reviews subscribe share to your friends family anyone you really think would benefit it and thank you always for the support